Albion suffering an injury crisis at a key point in the season. It feels a little bit like deja vu at the Hawthorns right now. We'll be discussing all the latest news, opinions, the draw against Stoke, and we'll look ahead to a busy, festive period on this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello and welcome to what is going to be the final Baggies broadcast of 2023. I'm Johnny Drury and as always I'm alongside the ENS's main Albion man, Mr Lewis Cox, for this festive edition of the Baggies broadcast. We've got a lot to talk about today, we've got a few Christmas questions as well uh, and it's the final podcast of the year. Coxie, how are you pal? Feels like we've done an awful lot of these this year and this is finally the last one of the calendar year. Hello Johnny, yes, good to be back with you mate for one of these after um, your period of absence. Last no, week. no, no, me last week. I didn't really, I didn't listen to the podcast back last week but I'm sure there was a few digs at me from uh, our our Wolves, uh, um, Wolves linked stand-in uh, presenter. You know, <laughs> I, had to, I had to leave out his sort of uh, allegiance to to them lot you know um as, as we stayed professional but yeah we, we got through it mate we got through it without you you didn't miss too much a few hundred miles worth of driving me missing kickoff um pick the right you know, week, we pick the right week to have off the night i could have i could i could have done with you for Rotherham, to be honest mate for those <laughs> first 10 minutes that i didn't see um yeah all right good to have you back though good to have you back didn't return to a massive thriller did you on on whatever day it was, Sunday. Um, but it is what it is. And and my other bone to pick with you, Johnny, is uh, you oh, no. startling our dear readers and listeners online last night when you said basically basically within your typo <laughs> suggested it was going to be our last podcast ever. I thought I thought you'd <laughs> basically were either firing me or you knew something I didn't. Um, I think I said did I say past podcast of the season? And then I was I was like oh, Yeah, man. yeah. Only, I, to I be fair, only one person picked up on it. Season. Yeah, but um, yeah. So the last yeah, one the, of the don't year, worry, we're, uh, we're, we'll be around at least in the start of now. Nah, of course, we'll be around. So, uh, yeah, yeah, let's crack on, mate. Let's crack on. It's nearly the big day. Nearly the big day indeed. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. A uh, bit of the latest news. We'll obviously discuss um, a few of the few of the points to come from the draw against Stoke. We did after the game, but we'll have a look at a few other points. Cox is going to do a little four-game prediction for us over the festive period as Albion have got a, a bit of a tricky run now between now and the uh, and the the 1st of January with that trip to, to Swansea on the 1st of January. We're going to answer all your burning questions, um, one of which is, does a Yorkshire pudding belong on a Christmas dinner? Now, I, I, I'm predicting this could get a little bit heated, but we'll see how that goes later on. Um, but we'll start with Stoke. 1-1 uh, draw against Stoke. We were all sort of disappointed with the result. You know, we felt it was a game that Albion could and maybe should have won. Um, Coxie, a few days have passed now. I know... People have had sort of their opinions on it, whether Albion did enough to win it, or or, or or what their opinions were on the performance. But you know, for me, it wasn't a, it wasn't an awful. I saw a few people saying it was one of the worst displays of the season. I don't think it was quite that bad. I didn't think Albion were awful, but on, uh, on overall, looking at it, they're the games Albion. If they want to be in a playoff contention, they really need to be winning those types of games. I know you can't win them all, but yeah. on reflection, Albion probably should have won on Sunday. Yeah, perhaps so. I sort of half agree. I mean, didn't you make a point um, towards the end of last week, mate? I think on, on your return to to work in that, you know, got over the line at Rotherham, which can be a sticky place to go, can't it? And had all the makings of a 
massive banana skin, but obviously did the job. You know, it might have been a game in years gone by that they had necessarily had won. Um, and you'd have sort of stoked the way they're going at the moment down at home to be a, a bit more of a banker, wouldn't you, given how Albion are at home? Um, but it, it just wasn't wasn't meant to be, was it? I, I think Stoke came with one idea, really, and look, that idea was given the biggest boost possible when an absolute fluke flies into the top corner, wasn't it? You, you can't really do a fat lot about that. Yes, you can get a bit closer to stop the cross, maybe, but look, that's a one in a thousand, isn't it, really? And uh, it made the job a whole lot tougher, didn't it? The only thing I'd say is I, I felt quite optimistic, having equalised so early, certainly before half-time, that it was it was going to go the right way. But for me, just didn't see enough until the 80th minute, 80, 85th minute. It's, it left it a bit too late to start having a, a real go. Yeah, I think you're pretty spot on with that. It was one of them, you know, we're left with a tinge of disappointment. Um, but as we said, you know, we can't win every single game. And you, if you look at it in the whole context, I, mean, I know there's a lot of people getting annoyed by the performance and the result. Um, but Albion are still fifth, you know, and it wasn't, you know, it was a, like you said, if you can't win them, don't lose games. The one area I want to talk about, Cox, is I've seen fans divided on this a little bit, and it was a topic that Carlos Corbrand um, touched on, was the wingers, and he talked about Grady Dean Garner, but more Jeremy Sarmiento. Now, fans were, you know, bellowing for Sarmiento to come into the side. He's, he's had a little run. He's done really well in patches. I didn't think he had his best game against Stoke. Um, but fans are also looking at Tom Fellows. He came on and had a bit of an impact on on Sunday, maybe not the biggest impact he's had on the game, but he, he threw in a couple of really good crosses that, that, that almost led to, to big chances for Albion. Is that a decision that Carlos Corbin now has to make? You know, we, we saw he said in yesterday's Express and Star that, you know, he's going to have to manage his squad. There are going to be changes over the Christmas period. Can we expect to potentially see fellows start a few of these games over the festive period? You know, he's uh... we've seen him in glimpses. And with players like that, you, you don't want to throw them straight in and, and throw them almost straight to the walls because we know what a football opinion is going to be like in the, in sort of the modern day. But do you think he's done enough? And do you think that he will get starts over Christmas? Um, maybe. I, I'm a bit not not on the fence on this because I have an opinion, but, but not in the middle. I, I can see it both sides. I think Fellows is great. I really do think he's... I've, I've been high in my praise of him. I think there's an attacking player at the academy, didn't we say a few episodes ago, or maybe off camera, that you know, your most exciting attacking youngster through the ranks since Sido, probably. Um, as an attacker, certainly through you know from from the youth setup, oh, I think he's great. I thought he was great in pre-season when I when I saw him. Um, and I, I'm not I'm not against starting him from the start, but I just think it's a, it's a totally different kettle of fish. Him playing against fresher legs um, earlier in games from the start of games. He came on early at Sunderland, what half an hour in, had a lot of that game and and actually really really struggled. Probably the most he struggled in 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 a game in a, in a senior game. So look, that much might just be a coincidence. Albion was second best that day. Generally, Sunderland are decent. Um, however, when fellas had longer on the pitch, we saw him struggle the most. It's not it's not rocket science that he's going to stand out maybe that bit more in the last 25, 30, 20 minutes of games with his well, his best attributes, his pace, you know, his fresh legs and directness. And that that's that's going to stand out against tiring opposition, isn't it? And But I'm not, just because I say that, I'm not against handing him a start I can just see why it hasn't happened yet to be honest 
Um, I can, on the flip side, understand why supporters are calling for him to start because of how exciting he generally is late on in games. Um, then there's, I don't know what you make of this, Johnny, but then there's the whole, I'm not the greatest fan of this, but the whole develop our own rather than someone else's loan players, which I, I understand that debate. You know, Tom Fellows is an Albion player and Jeremy Sarmiento isn't. Um, I understand that. However, one of those players, to, to me, in my eyes, is much further along in their development. You know, one of those players is a full international. One of those players is a player from a very good Premier League club, rated very highly with a big future by one of the best Premier League managers. And Albin have probably paid decent wage money to get him in on loan for the season. Um, probably won a, a big race to get him in. Um, had to bide their time for the first few months of the season while Sarmiento couldn't start. So for me now, it's it's like, let's let's build him up. Let's see what he's got. You know, he's been a match winner in Cardiff, scored a big home goal at the start of the season. Um, it's, it's quite timely you mention this, Johnny, because you probably haven't seen it yet, but for um, for tomorrow's paper, and it'll be obviously online ASAP, um, I've written a piece on Sarmiento. Uh, I asked Carlos about him before Stoke. So, what was that, Friday's presser? I asked Carlos about him. By that point, he'd started four games in a row of Sarmiento. Now it's five. Now, if you think back, Johnny, rewind, he, there was a massive clamour for Sarmiento to start games, wasn't there? And he finally did. I think it was September. It was when I was away, the Millwall game. And he started a game and he broke down. Got injured straight after. Um, out for a month, just over a month, just and you're thinking, well, we fin- you know, finally started this kid with a checkered injury record at Brighton, and he's he's broke down. You know, where's the robustness? Where, how's he gonna get through this loan? How's he gonna start for Brighton? However, now he started five games in a row after this, after returning from the injury. It started. Remember down in Cardiff, we were all quite surprised he started at Cardiff. Um, you know, I, th- I think there was one or two changes that night, and Sarmiento coming in as one of them on a on a tricky away day. That felt like a, a bold call. Obviously, he ended up being the match winner, and uh, I'm not saying for a second in these five starts since he's been brilliant or, or standout. I, I think he's been um, average to good in uh, across the five of them, but he's made a big development and big strides physically. Um, this is a a massive improvement in terms of the robustness to start. You know, some some of those, look at the Sunderland-Rotherham week we've just had and, and Stoke, you know, midweek games as well. He started back-to-back Saturday, Tuesdays. Um, massive effort, really. Uh, one of the things Carlos said to me before the Stoke game was, I shouldn't have started him at Rotherham on that Tuesday, but I had to. Obviously, we know about the injury situation. Uh, some people listening to this might say, well, start fellows instead. Well, <laughs> Carlos has made that decision for a reason, hasn't he? There's, there's clearly a reason why he doesn't think Fellows is quite ready, be it performance levels or be it physical levels. You know, Fellows had a lot of Sunderland, didn't he, as I said. And um, so, yeah, Sarmiento has made those big steps. And just finally on this, I mean, I've kind of tried to suggest it in the, the piece I've written as well. And I said this to you in the Stoke game um, on Sunday. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of watching Sarmiento play. I don't think there are, you'll find, and you said this as well, Johnny, there won't be too many footballers out there at the top levels in England who play like that. Um, you know, he's got he's got a background in kind of, again, I've written it this morning, those um, 
growing up playing football in cages almost to like a futsal level where like skill and technique is is most important and I enjoy watching him do it because not many players out there can do it uh, however there's a balance and again I've, something I've, I've touched on Albin were 1-0 down weren't they against Stoke and he controlled a high ball crossfield pass with like a back heel which he didn't have to do he just did it out of instinct you know it would have been easier to control it normally but he's got the ability you know, obviously the confidence to, to do that now a lot of fans listening to this will be like well it's not the time not the place we want nil down we need an assist or a goal you know he, he did a few step overs and he got crowded out and it's frustrating however five minutes later you know he, he almost scores a cracker from distance and he's only denied by, by the keeper so there is substance at the end of his style um, but I just quite enjoy watching his feet and technique you know you don't get to watch that type of footballer very often because either a they don't exist b as you said to me it's coached out of them um and uh, you know Sarmiento will mature but yes you, you don't get many footballers at the sort of top level who have that that technique and touch and control you know skill low center of gravity so I, I do enjoy watching it I do I do think you know it gets fans excited enough their seats and I would say as well one more final point on this just quickly as Corbran said to me as you'll be able to read soon there's more to him than just those tricks he can you know go into a 50-50 or a tackle or shrug people off Corbran was big on heart and passion that he's got you know his Latin background isn't it South American Ecuadorian Um, we see players from that side of the world who, who've got that sort of fight about them. And he, he's a little slight lad, obviously London raised, but he's got that fight about him. You can see it. He's not just all flick and trick and no product. He's got a heart about him, a battle and a passion about him. And yeah, that's in a rather big nutshell. That's, that's what I feel about him. Um, I'm happy to see him start at the moment because he's up to it physically. Um, yeah. I want to see a bit more, I suppose, in terms of maybe assists and that he, he volleyed one over, didn't he? At the start of the game, from Dean Garner's cross, it was quite a big chance. But um, I'm I'm happy to see him start. The fellows thing, I wouldn't be against seeing fellows start. I'm not saying that for a second. Fellows will start against Aldershot, won't he, in the FA Cup, clearly. Um, and look, perhaps I've been a one more attacking injury away from fellows having to start. But I, I'm a fan of Sarmiento and I'm enjoying watching him. And I hope as these starts, more regular football continue. Um, He'll hopefully continue to grow and become more sort of consistent. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think what we you know you've got to remember as well, the guy's still young. It's his first yeah, twenty one you know, bi- yeah. biggish loan. He's you know, he's only like we said there, he's only started five games and and, and for all that, you know, that's, that's sprinkling and for all that sprinkling of stardust that he's gonna bring, he has got that little bit of on you on your edge, you don't really know what he's gonna do, but for every, you know, trick he makes and goes down a blind alley, there's a chance that he's gonna create something mm-hmm. like he did at Cardiff and mm-hmm. I think you've got to take the rough of this move and he's only going to get better just on an, another attacker I want to talk about from uh from Sunday's performance was was Jed Wallace arguably Jed Wallace's best performance in a long long time for for Alvin I thought he was everywhere he played in a number of different positions now late last season we saw Wallace maybe used in the 10 role um and we, we kind of questioned it a little bit but I thought he played in the 10 role he played out left he went out right um, on on Sunday, I thought even in all positions he had a big impact on the game, and he he led by example. Now we've we sort of there's been criticism of Wallace, maybe not for his effort and desire, but just for some of his performances earlier this season. But 
you know, I spoke about it a few weeks ago that he was getting back to his best. I think that's the best we've seen off him for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was Albion's best player, wasn't he? By by some, well, not some margin, but him followed by Kipra, which is a bit of a given, isn't it? But yeah, Wallace is possibly one of his best performances of the season. It was a bit of a played sort of like in his first few months of the club, didn't he? Just um, not that, no, I, I, I rate and respect about Wallace is he always, always gives it all and you can see how much it means, you know, and I'm not saying others don't always give, give their all, but you can see how much it means. But he went that handsome, didn't he, against Stoke. Um, his quality was there, his delivery end product. Um, he was excellent. Deserved that goal that was deflected just over in the second half. That would have been... Yeah, he deserved that and he would have been the rightful match winner, really. Um, when he can perform close to that on a regular, more consistent basis, you know, Albion are going to be quids in, really, because it's... He'll become a regular match winner, won't he? His delivery, he'll be in the goals. Um, he's, a, he's had a tough... Bit of a tough 2023, maybe, Johnny. I'm most of the back part of last season and a, a lot of the first part of this um, struggled for that sort of momentum. And you could say, you could see it taking a bit of a confidence dip, albeit he still has to be. You know, he's that leader and source of inspiration with the armband, isn't he? And that probably carries a lot. I mean, I asked Corbin about him after the game. Um, you know, agreed with us that he was Albion's best attacker by by some margin, and he, he gave me a funny little quote. Corbran on Jed, he said he's um, he's the captain because he's the captain that doesn't have to be a captain to be a captain or something like that. Um, and yeah, make it that way you will. Yeah, he, you know, even if he didn't have the armband and wasn't made the skipper, he'd have still had that same leadership and inspirational sort of qualities, wouldn't they? And if if a few others stepped up to Wallace's levels on Sunday, Alvin would have won. I mean, Carlos, we spoke about it in the post-match video, didn't we? The head coach had a sort of subtle, not-so-subtle digs at his wingers, really, in Sarmiento and Dean Garner, and the, the latter was poor, wasn't he? And it wasn't, Sarmiento wasn't brilliant by any means. Yeah, Borbrand thought those positions were where Stoke were there to be got at on Sunday, behind the wing-backs. He thought the game was there for Albion to win it thought they were, were wasteful in getting it out wide and then when it was out wide they were wasteful in creating anything and he, he was really quite open and honest about that but um, yeah Wallace more than his head held high in that one and hopefully he can continue it Johnny I was just going to add I, I looking at stats from the Stoke game and what was it 16 shots and 7 on target for Albion it certainly showed who the more likely side was but the expected goals which is a bit more of an accurate metric was was 1.32 so for for 16 shots plenty of them not really you know 1.32 for that kind of shot metric isn't isn't massive is it but yeah you know, Stokes was down at under 0.5 so it showed a more dominant side the closer side to coming to to getting a winner um just didn't think we, we saw enough from like minute 40 after the goal to minute 70 you know 75 a bit of a lull weren't that Stoke came on strong and you kind of feared another Stink in the tail, didn't you? You feared another Leicester or Huddersfield, but uh, who knows? That could be a really important point, couldn't it? You know, that could Albion might get in the top six by a point, or hopefully a lot better. Um, so yeah, maybe let's bank it and move on and be thankful we're not talking about a defeat. 
one other talking point was, was John Swift wasn't included in the squad. Now, we know um, he had some sort of muscle fatigue. He was feeling a bit in his hamstring, not maybe fully recovered from that injury he got against Birmingham yeah. back in October. Um, I thought Alvin really missed him on, on Saturday. I know Corbrand said it wasn't the players that were missing that were the difference, but I thought Swift could have brought something that Alvin didn't really have. You know, Stoke were hard to break down. But just on that injury, Coxie, from, just from... Uh, what can you gather from what Colbrand said? Is it a case that we're going to see Swift over Christmas or is he going to be further rested given the the sort of ramifications of the injury he had back in October? Last time we um, asked Colbrand about that, which was obviously after the after the Stoke game, he, he genuinely yeah, had no idea really. He said, look, we're having to check with him each day, speak with the medics each day on how he feels, how he reacts to what he's done the day before. Um Obviously, he was an unused sub against Rotherham and, and wasn't really penciled to be involved there. So then, uh, day off Wednesday, reco- well, recovery day Wednesday, was due to train Thursday. Um, felt something, so so didn't, or certainly didn't complete it. Um, trained fri- Tried to train Friday, then as a result of that, felt something in his hamstring Saturday. Now, bit of a concern, isn't it, when the original injury and the thing, he's still, still sort of struggling with his calf. And when the the fatigue and ramifications of that muscle problem spreads to like the hamstring, a different part, and when our serious hamstrings can be, um, yeah, concern, I would say. Um, however, it's not a re-injury, you know, he's not pulled or tweaked or anything. So I suppose we can hope for the best. Um, however, given that I think it's four games in 10 days, I think starting from Middlesbrough and ending on New Year's Day in Swansea, and that's, He's not going to, clearly he's not going to keep being able to play in those, is he? At best, it's going to be, you know, maybe he's going to play in one or two of them. And I agree with you about about Stoke and people might listen to this and be like, well, you know, he played at Sunderland and he was terrible. And and yes, he was non-existent at Sunderland, but he was... A different type of game at Sunderland, though. Yeah, it was. It was totally. It was. And um, Corbin actually admitted, you know, more recently that him and Swift and Madger at Sunderland just didn't work, you know, to a pairing that you know, didn't go together and but Swift's still feeling that injury let's you know let's have that right he's clearly look, there are games when a fully fit Swift can be off it aren't there and not be influential but he was really at a high level wasn't he prior to that injury and it's so frustrating because I was writing about Swift this morning in our in our newsletter and the Blues game where he went down that that opening goal he scored was so good like he just so full of confidence, he he's put that ball in the only place it's going in, out of you know, John Ruddy's stretch. It was John Ruddy, wasn't it? Uh, out, out of his stretch where he couldn't get down to in off the post, and he's, he's flying. He's top scorer, six goals by early October, and it's it's really frustrating. You know, if if Swift could have just avoided that injury or managed to get back to the level straight away. He, Post-injury was that, you know, fancy Alvin would be a lot closer to third or fourth, to be honest, because he sort of single-handedly was winning Albion games in the early part of that season. So, yeah, I mean, his absences meant others have had to step up. Uh, but it's a concern, you know, we're now, what, two and a half months post-Blues. And um, it feels like, at best, we're not going to see him back to sort of fully fit fully involved again till early Jan really and that will have been three month layoff on it which is a massive chunk of the season isn't it really you know, not far off half so yeah blow a 
blow. And um, Albion don't really have another player like him, do they? Um, no, when Swift's on it, Albion tend to be, and he tends to make things happen and create things and score things. So yeah, he's been he's been badly missed. And if Wallace can play well in the ten as he did the other day. Dean Garner, we've seen him play well in the ten, haven't we? Carlos likes likes him there, but look, Grady's just back from six months out himself and has done well since, but has also can go missing since and have have off days. So yeah, Swift Swift's been a massive miss, Johnny, and it's it's a shame. And hopefully, hopefully we can see him at some point over these next four festive games. We want him to go, and you know, you mentioned he's not going to be fully fit, or we might not see him fully fired until early January. You'd like to think that would coincide with Grady Dean Garner going off the African Cup of Nations. You know, that takes out a winger yeah. for Albion. You know, that would allow Wallace to play out wide instead of being forced into the 10. You know, this is all ideal scenarios. You've just got to hope and pray and fingers <laughs> crossed and say your prayers that no one else gets injured. Because like Carlos Corbran has said, you know, Albion can, not, can't really afford another, certainly an attack, maybe defensively, but not attacking wide. Well, it's it's something to get into, if not this pod, then certainly the next one. But he's been quite vocal about needing a player in January, hasn't he? A replacement. He said it post-Phillips injury. And you had to agree with him, really, especially when you considered Grady AFCON. And he, he certainly reiterated it post-Madger injury. And I just, I, I agreed with him after Phillips, to be honest. Now, now the, the Madger hammer blow as well I mean I don't see any way where Albion can't afford to to get another one in I mean yes DK dare we say it is you know hopefully touch wood on the horizon um however look we can't we can't expect too much there can we let's be honest um too soon too much too soon certainly but at least hopefully it'll be a body and an option but yeah I think somehow by hook or by crook regardless of the ownership situation, there'll have to be something, however possible. Um, and from what look, from what Carlos has said, suggested it will be, but there has to be something made possible and available. You know, I don't know, probably via loan. Let's be honest. Um, and and loan wages have somehow made happen that that Albion have to do just to get another body. And there's an option. Uh, Tom Fellows probably be in line for plenty of plenty more involvement there, only when. You know, if and when Dean Garner goes goes away, so yeah, I, I think um, they can't. They simply can't afford another injury setback. They really can't. And Swift, you know, heavens forbid, gets any worse with that one. Um, yeah, we've talked about how well Wallace played. He's just off the back of an injury himself, isn't he? Um, so yeah, for me, it will be interesting to see Corbin's movements in the new year. I think, you know, what what will he look at bringing in on loan? Will it be a a wide player or will it be a striker I'd probably lean just towards the former and a wing type loan signing maybe or a, a player that could do both would be ideal wouldn't it but um, yeah it's, it's really it feels like we've been having this same sort of attacking injuries conversation Johnny for if not all of the season then certainly since early October certainly it's getting, since it's getting boring now isn't it <laughs> oh <laughs> But it's the same. It's it's like um round in circles almost. It's it's yeah, but it's it's different sort of waves of injuries, isn't it? Like until that October period, you know, Dean Garner was still out really, and there was there was about a week, weren't there, when more or less everyone was around, and then and then that was it. 
and yeah, I, I, it, it's it's really a struggle now. And the the Madger thing was the biggest. I mean, what Phillips really, what a season he was having, and what a miss he is. And 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 Madger's just so cruel on the individual, isn't it? Because you know, ha, coming in is big big signing. Let's not forget, big signing for Albion. They're only permanent one of the summer, and. You know, how's your look? Let's be honest. I mean, I wasn't at Bristol City, but by all accounts, should have been a penalty late on. Um, I know some disagree on that, but Carlos thinks it should have been a penalty. And how Dan Ballard avoided a red card up there at the stadium of light is beyond me. And then obviously he goes and scores a goal, doesn't he? So, yeah, cruel, cruel, tough times in attack for Albion, really. Yeah, indeed. I need some... uh... Some Christmas luck, Christmas miracle or something, head him into the January transfer window. Um, I just want to talk about uh, any latest takeover talk. It's something that dominates the the lips of Albion fans at the moment. It's something we're eagerly awaiting. The latest we had on um, Gouch and I potentially selling Albion came about a week or so ago. Um, Whereas believed Albion entered into advanced talks with prospective buyers um, to get a deal over the line. Uh, it was understood the club have reached a crunch period of negotiations with interested parties um, with Gouch and Lai keen to complete the deal by next month, by January. Um, as the Express Star understood, a US consortium are the ones to be leading the race for lies 87.8% of shares. Other groups have been in talks. Um, there was talk of a, an exclusivity period being granted um, over the last week or so. Coxie is the latest that talks are ongoing or do we know any more? The next point I'm going to make is, a, is quite a funny little quirky tale from Saturday with regards to this, but is it just still yeah. waiting and hoping that it's getting ever closer? We see every day, you know, various little rumours popping up and, and this and that and the other and fans getting a bit more excited. But is it edging any closer? Yeah, I mean, um, and the, the podcast I did last week, Johnny, with um, your esteemed digital colleague, Nathan, we had, uh, had a bit of a chinwag on this and obviously I'd, I'd done the tale as, as to where it was then. Um, don't. There are, there's been no no hiccups or no issues I'm aware of or I've I've heard since then, so that's good news in terms of advancing and progressing um, and things being on track. So that's good news. I know what you're going to get into next, and that was all uh, something of nonsense over the weekend, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, so good news in terms of no no negative update on the situation, you know, on things being on track and. And um, as were, you know, I think think we said, you know, we're, we're looking at the new year, we're looking at January and, and needing a January completion date, really. Obviously, a lot of moving parts in January, aren't there, with clearly the window and Albion's overall situation on having to look at the, the salary and the of the squad and still needing to be tended to be the club taken over or not. But as I said to Nathan, um, last week Johnny and as listeners will have heard and read um the clock's ticking you know on, on that sort of January late January deadline because you know for, for obvious reasons of taking loans to pay bills and you know being able to cope with the um the squad wage where it is um it just it's just not sustainable for for too much longer so yeah thing things are need to be you know we are coming to that we are in that crunch period as i said last time but everything is um on track as far as i understand so that's that's good news at least and yeah still hope and you know believe things are on the right path so i suppose we can take that as good news heading into the new year but 
like as I said to Nathan last time, Johnny, this time next month, you know, we'll, we'll have really hoped to have heard total progress and advancement, really, in terms of uh, exclusivity regards to takeover is is not necessarily black and white. You know, it's it it's not a fixed amount of time. Talks for ex- exclusivity need to be. It can, you know, by that point, talks can be wrapped up and finalised really quickly, or it can be more dragged out if there are things to iron out. So it's not cut and dried how long these things take, even when they reach a, a point where one prospective group has exclusivity in talks. So um, it's not cut and dried, as I say, but um, yeah, hopefully, as far as I'm aware, it's on track. Good news indeed. Um, if fans were to believe in the, the, some of the Twitter rumours on Saturday, the new owners would have had uh, attended the game and landed a helicopter in a nearby sports field. I think it was either the golf club or the cricket club, but that's soon. Yeah, just fancy around the golf thing, <laughs> <laughs> um, No, well, yeah, no. We were sort of not, not blissfully ignorant, but we were doing our pre-match work, weren't we, really, at the Hawthorns and... Uh, Somebody sort of came over to us and uh, said, you know, what's, what's this about this helicopter? I thought you'd be asking about the helicopter. And uh, yeah, no, apparently it got mouths chatting, uh, which is, I, I suppose, relatively understandable before the game, you know, with, with everything that's going on. But no, um, <laughs> that that was very much of a Stoke uh, Coates ownership persuasion. That was, uh, yeah, by all accounts, be it the Stoke ownership or, you know, their people. Coming in to watch the game on a on a small local helipad close to the Hawthorns, I think at the, I think at the golf club. So, yeah, um, stand down on that one. It wasn't um, wasn't anyone jetting in from the states, no. No, that'll take out about three questions of our uh, our fan question segment later <laughs> in the podcast. Right, right time. Focus on the important food related ones. Then. We can indeed, Coxie. We can indeed. Uh, right, time for an advert. As always, the Baggies broadcast is sponsored by the Kettle and Toaster Man. And as Christmas gets ever, ever closer, it might be a good source for you to do some late Christmas shopping. I'm sure there's plenty of you Baggies broadcast listeners who leave your shopping right to the last minute and need some quick Christmas gifts for the other half or maybe the in-laws. I, how are you getting on with your Christmas shopping, Coxie? I know you're sort of, you can be a little bit disorganised sometimes, so I don't know if you'll have your, your sorted. Are you, are, you all, are you all boxed off? Scandalous comment from you. <laughs> a true uh, one, though, as well. Well, depends <laughs> who you ask, but yeah. I hope um, you turn up on time for Christmas dinner. Good. Yes, I will. <laughs> Priorities, Johnny. Priorities. Christmas dinner compared to the baggies broadcast. Although I was on time today, wasn't I? So. You were on time today, but um, I did have to bribe you with the Greggs on the next away trip to make sure yeah, you're on time you did, today. You did. So. Admittedly, yeah. So, yeah um, doing all right. Back. Doing well, mate. Doing well. I've got things in order. Last night, as we speak, was uh, my least favourite day of the year because it involved wrapping of the presents. So if if um, if there's any sort of half semi-professional rappers out there who I could pay to do. Uh, my wrapping I, I'm, I'm I'm open to you know giving over funds to do the wrapping for me but yeah I mean I I'm uh, I mean I'm on board with your shout about the, the last minute shoppers get down to Kettle and Toaster Man because why not to make the most of those offers and you know it, it, there's a famous Express and Star story about me buying my other half a kettle for Christmas a few years ago as I know I've probably said it on this podcast before and um, it went down so well and you know we've still got it like 10 years later so you know, your other half will love you if you buy them a kettle or a toaster for Christmas. There That's you go. my advice. A great That's my source, advice. It will not ruin great your Christmas. There you go. A great source of gifts. They've got, as we, as always, as we always say, they've got some fantastic graded products at some superb 
prices, uh, Dan. You can get anything, you know, from kitchenware, pan sets, obviously the kettle and toasters, microwaves, hair care products, you name it. The kettle and toaster man has probably got it in his warehouse or on his website. And this week, you could get your hands on a tower three-piece saucepan set for just £35. They've got so many products, so many great brands and prices and yeah basically like coxie said if you're struggling if you've left it to the last minute get yourself down to thorns road in briley hill you can do it all in one you could do it all in half an hour get it all done if you like coxie and you're looking for someone who's going to wrap presents i'm sure there's someone out there could wrap them for you as well get it all done in one hit and <laughs> those get selections of saucepans will go down an absolute treat on christmas morning let me oh, tell you they'll be getting some use out and if that's what you're going to treat someone to on christmas day that yeah. could go. And down. I mean, and I mean, you know, really in the well. kitchen, not, not not to be like smacked around the head with or something, you know, gen, <laughs> genuine Christmas family fights. <laughs> <laughs> with yeah, kettle toaster man, pan sets as weapons. Yeah. <laughs> no, but as we say, some great, fantastic prices, fantastic products, and if you haven't got yourself your Christmas gifts yet, get down to the kettle and toaster man, get your hands on some late goodies in time for Christmas. They're on, as we said, Thorns Road in Briley Hill, or you can go to the kettle and toaster man. .co.uk. Right, time for some questions, of which we have a plenty. I'm going to start with this one that's come through from Alan Love, who's asked us to give us your end-of-year review and predictions for the matches over the holiday season. We're going to do that right at the end of the podcast, Alan. Uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you both. Keep up the good work, Alan. Uh, that first one, Cox, I'm going to throw it at you. Give us your end-of-year review. So I'm going to ask you for a what would you rate Albion's performance in 2023 out of 10. Okay, just a number, fine. Um, Bearing in mind, if we just go over the calendar year, obviously it's last year's yeah. festive period was, was really yeah. good. You know, the start of January, yeah. picked up a couple of injuries, coincided with that Matt Phillips injury. The form wasn't great, picked up a bit towards the end. Difficult I'm start go, to this season. And I'm then gonna, we've had the run as well, haven't we, in recent weeks? I'm going to give it a very decisive 6.5. Because I thought six was too harsh and I thought seven was too kind. Six point. Is that you fence sitting again? Possibly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Alan, thank you very much for you your message as well. Then, Johnny, if I was to put you on the spot, what number would you give it? With I'd, probably go li- I'd probably go a little bit higher, seven. I'm just going to pan- pander to the Albion fans a little bit. Oh, fair. <laughs> fair. There we go. But Alan, thanks very much for your question. Happy New Year to you as well. Right, let's go through some of the other ones. Um, Dickos has got in touch. How many days will the fan zone be open for when Lai gets the deal done? Um, <laughs> I, I think there'll be the fan zone will be open. I think the pubs around the ground will, uh, around the Hawthorns, the Baggies pubs. Will, I think the vine will probably be open for yeah, we're maybe to the vine. two weeks straight, really. Um, Jack Griffiths has got another question. Um, if all goes well and we are taken over um, in the next few days, is there truth we can't actually bring anyone in due to financial fair play and st- Still and still need to bring the wage bill down? Question mark. Um, I know follows different questions, but that does affect contract renewals. There's a lot to unravel in there. Well, financial fair play is nothing that's really been mentioned with Albion at the moment, Cox. We've heard about the the wage bill needing to come down, but from what we understand, that's not an issue with bringing people in in January, not as we know it anyway. Well, as 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 we've reported on the latter, um, it needs to happen. You know, the the they need to seriously look at shedding um the bill from whatever means be it whatever kind of players you would yeah either say can be moved on or might garner interest now i mean that's a like a pandora's box really that isn't it because you know you fear about possible players that might have interest in or look the 
clearly some players he might be more open to moving on or some who are on the very fringes who might be able to agree some sort of negotiation. So I don't know, we'll, we'll have to probably speak about that when we on a, on a pod when we enter Jan, really, because that's a whole discussion on itself. Um, touched on it earlier, didn't we, regards having to, to get someone in. Now, I've, I've said before and I've wrote before, there's not, from my understanding, and without wanting to sound um, too like OTT with this, you know, Albion could be taken over by Sheikh Mansour, you know, or the, the richest, you know, wealthiest businessman in, in the Middle East. And they'd still be in the same situation in regards to the, um, the having to balance the books, you know, in, in, in the new year. That's just how it is with rules and how the sustainability is. So that doesn't affect that. Well, clearly, clearly if wealthy you know, owners with a bit of backing were to come in earlier in the month, then it might it, it might help the situation. You know, we, the situation we took, spoke on earlier about you know, Carlos hopefully having a bit of breathing room to use a loan in the January window. And I don't think it's going to be much better than that. You know, I think prospective new owners might be able to bring that sort of stability and comfort in terms of being able to get someone in. But yeah, look, the, the, the picture changes dramatically and drastically come the summer. Uh, a, a massive portion of the squad's out of contract and I would imagine a load of them will leave. Um, there, there are some that will be offered new deals. I don't doubt that. Um, some could well be sold. So the, the, the whole picture is going to change massively in the summer under new ownership as well. So that will be interesting. That will feel very much like a, like a new era to be honest. And let's also say as well, we don't know what division Albion will be in. So there's, there's, there's a very different um, possible state of affairs. But in terms of January, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect too much business, really. I'd, I'd, Albion need, need to get one in to replace the injuries they've lost. And I'd expect them to try and support Carlos to do that. But the bigger priority is, unfortunately, as we were reporting from the start of the summer, just gone, continue to try and um, lower the wage bill. You know, yes, Dar Roche left for a, an OK fee and it was able to sort of keep the walls from the doors in terms of having to lose too many others for, for measly offers. But the fact was, Albin was still open and looking to move players on where possible for, for seemable, acceptable offers. And obviously they didn't come in the end. But, you know, unfortunately, as the club have been on record about, Fast forward a few months, they didn't sell, they didn't move on what they needed to and we're still in the same situation. In fact, it's more of a precarious situation because we are further down the line where Albion have had to eat into another loan from a third party. So, yeah, work to do on outgoings, I would say, and it'll be very interesting as to how it looks. Uh, Jacob Smith's got in touch. Have we got an option to recall Mo Fowl from loan in January to ease the striker situation? Mo Fowl's bagged. I think it's nine goals so far for Doncaster during his loan spell. Coxie, do we usually it is common practice to have January recall options in these deals? Um, is that anything that Corbrand's spoken about? Given the fact that uh, I know he's in League Two, but Files hit form and Albion are in a striker crisis. Yeah, he he hasn't. But as far as I understand, I mean there will be a break clause in that loan. Um, as you say, Johnny, common practice. I, I dare say, particularly with young players um, that go out on loan, but yeah, there, there will be. Um, it, I, I don't know. I'm a bit torn. I mean, 
I suppose, yes, he could come in as a body if if he were recalled. Albion's injury situation. Um, wouldn't expect him to be ready to start or anything like that, but at least a body. And then, you know, perhaps fielded back out on loan. Either back there, possibly, or, or to another club um, later in the month. However, just while I'm saying that, Johnny, it, it, there's a rule about not playing for more than two clubs in a season, isn't there, I believe? Or there certainly was whether that rule's still in yeah, existence. So whether right. Fowl could play for Doncaster Albion and then another club on loan, I, I, I don't know if he can from memory. Um, so I'd, I'd be wary of that. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing great things out on loan in League Two. That's a massive, 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 massive gap to, to bridge and come from. I, I'd be ever so slightly minded about looking at League One for him. Just think like he showed what he can do in the fourth tier. Let's get him up to the next one. But um, there's situations to address with, you know, Joe Van Malcolm, isn't there? With Zach Ashworth, you know, young, young players who, you know, the loans haven't quite gone the way that they'd, they'd want, perhaps you'd say. And but for Fowler, it's going brilliantly and, and good for him. But I can I can see the point and the clamour in in getting him back for the recall um, as a as a body for January. But I don't think it quite works because then in Feb when you know maybe when a Diangana returns or a DK's fit or you know there's a loans arrived in January to ease the situation, it leaves file absolutely nowhere, doesn't it? And back in the 21s doing nothing. So I'm half-minded to say he's better on carrying on as he is type thing. Yeah. Uh, Leah Watkins, to what extent do you think fault that false narratives around perceived bad performances by players contribute to their performances? Do you think players are aware of social media and could it make them nervy on the pitch? Uh, that second one's a pretty difficult one to answer, but the first one is an interesting question. Now, you know, I... I did a, a little bit of a roundup piece on uh, after Saturday's game, Sunday's game, and I thought I might get a little bit of uh, criticism because I praised Connor Townsend's performance, certainly his offensive performance. I know we got caught, he got caught once in the first half, and, and, and I know players were sort of labelling the goal at him, you know, the freak cross shot goal. But I thought going forward, I thought he was excellent on uh, on Sunday. But you know, and I know Twitter's a small pool, social media's a small pool, but I see a lot of people. Few people praising him, a lot of people not praising him, um, and he has had some choice performances at times this season. But there has been times where he's played quite well, and I've still seen him getting criticised. I've also seen others. I thought, you know, in the final third, the, he created the goal in the final third in the first half. I thought Donald Furlong wasn't great for Albion, but I thought overall he had a decent performance, pretty okay performance on Sunday. Um, and there's others as well. We've talked about Fellows and Sarmiento and the way people look at them. So I think it's an interesting point, Coxie, that. If mm. someone's got a, and you know, if I went back through all the analysis that myself and you have done, we might be guilty of it at times. But I think when you've got an opinion on a player, sometimes, certainly as a supporter, even if that player does quite well, it's hard to veer away from that view or they tend not to veer away from that view if you catch my drift. It's, it's an interesting conversation. It's, yeah, yeah. Around, I, I like the way that Leo's put it false narratives around bad performances. Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting certainly in modern football as well we talk about opinions in modern football and they're a lot different I think that's certainly one of them yeah there's um, it's also worth stating isn't it I mean you mentioned the fullbacks there didn't you and um, there's a narrative around Albion's fullback situation isn't there and yeah Albion's fullbacks really um, and a lack of backup depth and, and all of that look we've, we've spoken about it many times haven't we and you know, Pippa was the deadline sign-in sign meant to come in for slash push Furlong. And 
Well, he's done the latter, hasn't he? He's, he's pushed Furlong, and I think most would say now that Furlong's had a good couple of months form. And Townsend maybe not at that consistent level. Um, but no, it's agreed. Yeah, yeah. Town, Townsend had a spell out the side, didn't he? You know, Matt, Matt Phillips was was very much, a, you know, it was a back three, and it was Phillips at left wing back, and Townsend was on the bench for a good month or so. Which which was quite the you know Townsend had the armband let's not forget and he's the vice captain so um, yeah some people have got their you know views on certain players and I, I get it I I can understand the frustration and it's not necessarily just frustration at Townsend is it or you know a player it's it's probably just general frustration at the situation as well there's still being no sort of competitive left back to push him that type of thing. I mean, look, we know Peters has done a good job at the club, but we haven't seen him for a good while now, have we? Which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I, on the social media front, I think players are different. You know, some will pay more attention to it than others. Maybe young players are a bit more susceptible to it. Um, some may choose to look when things have gone great and, you know, good for them. Why wouldn't you? You'd have an injection of confidence for everyone saying you're brilliant, wouldn't you? But um, I wouldn't blame those for not looking at it when, you know, when you had a, a bit of a bad day and something like that. And look, I, you hit the nail on the, on the head, Johnny, a few minutes ago when you said it's a, it's a small pool, that is, you know, and not everyone, not every Albion fans on social media, not every Albion fans on Twitter, not every Albion fans on Facebook, you know, giving their opinions. Um, it I suppose it tends to be the ones that be louder on there that get heard or focused on, but you know, there are many listeners out there who will be a fan of how they've performed. and like, it's, it's quite clear to us all when players are in tough runs of form, isn't it, generally. But I, I think you know, maybe six weeks ago, Townsend had a tough couple of games. But I think he's been you know, average to you know, decent to good in the last last few. And But look, I still think the squad and Townsend would benefit from another left-back coming in. I guess yeah. just as Furlong benefited from Pippa's arrival and... Um, I mean, it says it all about Alvin's current situation. Then, then, then Pippa, the the right back signing, is now one of the uh, star left wingers. So there you go. <laughs> uh, a few more questions. Nate Aldridge has got in touch with an interesting one. After hearing he wants to come back to England and may even drop down to League One, does Carlos ask Santa to give him Billy Sharp for Christmas on a short term deal to get us through the striker crisis until <laughs> the end of the season? In brackets, if money allows. Oh, would that be a good Christmas? How old is Billy Sharp now? He's got to be knocking on. I think Billy Sharp. He's been out. I know he's been out in uh, in, in the US. But mid, for, uh, he's got to be mid thirties. LA Galaxy. If, uh, if I was you guess no. on that, Coxie. Um, he's thirty-seven now. Um, he'll probably still mix it in and around the championship. I I don't really think it'll happen. But <laughs> if he did rock up at Alvin in January on a short-term cheap deal, um, <laughs> it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, oh, I mean, I I dare say. You know, and please don't take this the wrong way and quote me saying I think it'll happen because I don't. But I dare say stranger things have probably happened, haven't they, over yeah. the years? Um, I, well, firstly, I think Carlos Gorbrand's dream present from Santa will be a will be a takeover and a new owner um, who offers stability and security and prosperity from the club. Um, and hopefully that's more likely than Billy Sharp checking in at the Hawthorns in the new year. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's probably, he's, I don't know, he's 37. I haven't seen him play in the States, so I can't comment. But his level's probably bottom end of the champ now, yeah. isn't it? Where he could probably still probably. score as a poacher to the to the top end of League One, where I dare say he'd do a job. But 
I don't know. Yeah. Johnny asked me this question, see, and, but... and, and, and uh, whoever, sorry, I, I read uh, listener was that, that asked that, and, and Johnny asked me again on January the 25th or something yeah. if Sharp still doesn't have a club, if Alvin still haven't got anyone in, and well, uh, I don't know. Regardless of the takeover, ask me again, and and let's see because you know DK might be back by that point, you know, and and in the goals we don't know, do we? And Hopefully Asante is still doing okay and avoiding injuries and stuff. So I don't know. I think I think I'd, I'd probably focus on a, a sort of versatile forward that can be a bit more reliable in terms of playing regularly on loan than than a six month deal for someone like Sharp probably. Yeah, then we'll see. Imagine seeing Billy Sharp and then Albion Kit at the end of uh, at the end yeah, of the January that, that window. Would but, be, uh... Yeah, that would be odd. Wouldn't <laughs> that it? would make Let's this. Uh, that would make. Yeah, it make certainly well, certainly unpredictable at Albion in recent years. But yeah, that would be uh, that would be some move. Spencer George got in touch with a few questions. He asked about a takeover update, which we've talked about. Um, he said, "I was frustrated as me that a minority of fans don't seem to understand how playing out from the back works." Um, it's an interesting question. We saw, you know, certainly we, we certainly see it at home, don't we? Um, home fans getting frustrated. We saw it earlier in the season, um, and Albion were very patient in their build-up the other day. And I wrote in a piece that I did after the game. You know, I'll be patient in the first half. It ended up working um, in the end with 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 Brandon Thomas Santa, and in the second half, but for saves from Jack Bonham and the Stoke goal, it would have worked again. There was, you know, it wasn't the the most intense free flowing passing game, but Albion still did create. Um, but there was all that frustration around. And I think it is just just a bit of patience is required. I think that's what I said um, after the game. Yeah. Um, that's all yeah. it is. Sometimes early in the season there, there were times when it didn't work against maybe the likes of Plymouth and, and teams like that where it was nil nil and I think there was another nil nil somewhere nil maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it does seem to be the case more at home than than away from home. Um, yeah, I mean I I frustrated by it. Um, I understand the question and I understand some fans getting frustrated at other fans about it. But but who are we? I suppose you know from our professional perspective to be frustrated with fans for having a view on it but I, I just think you know it's, it's commonplace now isn't it not not just at Albion at clubs I was watching match of the day two last night or something and who were they analysing was it Brighton I think they were analysing Brighton and Mark Chapman was saying you know it led to a goal I think didn't it or a chance for Arsenal or something um, and they're saying like what why you know in that situation why well it's it's what they do and they're not going to veer from it you know, yeah. so and 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 two, you know, it's brought Brighton success, hasn't it? And Albion are doing all right, aren't they? Let's be honest. But look, I, there was one. I agree with you about Sunday, Johnny. But there was one in the first half, wasn't there, when it was getting a bit dicey and it ended in Yukushlu playing a no look one from the edge of his own box, and it got intercepted, and it could have led to something bad. You know, and there's sort of groans around the place, and you know, Stoke might have scored, but even if Stoke had scored, Alvin would have still carried on doing the same thing. Yeah. And it's sticking to principles, isn't it? And it's the 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 modern way. Um and that's how it is. Now and for the large part fully... but for the large parts of the season as well, I think what when you're watching a game and you're getting frustrated with maybe a lack of intensity, it's hard to switch the mindset. But you've got to look at Alvin's overall picture. The the majority of the time it's worked this season because you look at Alvin's position in the table. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. everything else that you know is circling around Albion. You know, the injuries off field, blah, blah blah. Yeah, people might say, "Oh, you're bringing it up all the time," but it all it all adds into it. Well, we get and it says that I'll be, you know, Albion are doing a good. Uh, Corbrand's doing a good job. Yes, you got to a little bit like Sarmiento. You got to take the rust with the smooth. Yes, 
they might have conceded the odd chance here or there or the odd goal here or there. Mm. But for all, for that one chance they conceded, they've gone and created, I don't know, over the course of how many games, how many, however many goals out of it, it's worked. So, yeah, yeah frustrations. He's got, Spencer George has got another important burning question as well. He's asked us three today. He's getting his, he's definitely getting his worth out of us. And it's, it's a Christmas, Christmas related one. Does a Yorkshire pudding belong on a Christmas plate? Now, I'm going to go first on this because I've got a big love of roast dinners. Absolutely not. Whoever puts a Yorkshire pudding on a Christmas meal, get in the bin. I'm not having it. And I hope you're going to agree with me, Coxie, or there could be a... Johnny, I be... can see in your eyes, we're recording this over a, over a video call, <laughs> as some might not know, and I can see in your eyes... You see eyes, the passion like, in my you're, eyes. You're ready to... You're ready to be upset with me. I can just tell you're ready to, you know, you're ready for our relationship. I just don't want you to. I just don't want you to let me down, Coxie. Come to an don't. end. Um, well, you and hopefully the listeners will be happy to know I agree. With, Fantastic. With you. And I'm, I'm, I, I like unanimous a verdict here. Yeah. I, I like a Christmas dinner as much as the next man. I'm no aficionado, you know. I, I, I like a roast, but it, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny. But um, Yorkies are traditionally meant for beef, aren't they? Okay, yeah, nothing else. Dinner. Tradition, I'm yeah, a traditionalist. Yeah. You can't um, be having that on your Christmas dinner. Out of all the questions yeah. we've had today, Spencer, that is the that's the most important one, really. We should have spent half an hour talking about that to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if I was <laughs> to have like a, a lamb dinner any time of year, I'd be buzzing because lamb is the king of the, the Sunday roast meat. And if someone had chucked like a couple of Yorkies on it, I'm not gonna like stand up and start scrapping with them over it, you know, because I'm a fan of I'm I'm a fan of the Yorkie and um, I, I'm also a fan of the lamb. So if they go together, you know, I'm not going to lose my head. However, you know, Christmas thing and all that, the turkey or whether you have, you know, whatever, chicken or duck or whatever. Um, is, do people have duck at Christmas, Johnny? I think, they I think do, so, they? yeah. Some people yeah, do. Yeah, and gammon. Gammon, that's one, in it? Um, just keep the Yorkshire pudding off the plate if you do. Yeah. Keep the, the Yorkshire the, pudding. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big debate. It's an important one. And I, I, I'm I teaming up with my friend and esteemed colleague Johnny uh, unanimous verdict here we shouldn't be talking about this now though because it's half 11 and I've just got a little bit hungry uh, my stomach's been rumbling all podcasts yeah yeah. (laughs) we'll have to we'll crack on and get rid of the the last we've got two questions left Sonny Patel um, it is just a uh, sorry is it just a race for fourth uh, for fifth and sixth now with the top four likely to break away from us if yes uh, which teams do you see as our main threats to these spots good question really Um, yeah I like this question I don't quite think the top four are breaking away. There is a but there is a gap there. You know, Albion are Albion are fifth um, at the moment. I think the gap is uh, six points to Southampton, but that's a bridgeable gap. And if you look at it, we're, we're literally just over. I think we're, are we just over halfway through the season, or we're just under halfway through the season. Um, yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of games left to be played. You know, don't get me wrong. I don't think Norman's catching Leicester. I think Ipswich. You know, we've seen if you look at Leeds to Ipswich and Southampton to Ipswich. That's a ten point, a ten point swing. Um, I can see it switch dropping off and then being caught. You know, let's go back to two thousand one, two thousand two. How many points do we turn over from Wolves? Um, just to get that one in there. Um, you know, it happens, doesn't it? And and yeah, I think you know, I think Hull for me, Cox. I think Hull are going to be up there. Sunderland are going to be one to watch. You know, after the 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 shocking departure of Mowbray, they brought in Michael Beale, who, who did well for a spell at QPR, but that's relatively unknown. You know, Watford are just a, a ticking along. There under uh, our old manager, Big Val, um, Norwich. You know, Norwich, we've got Norwich on Boxing Day, but they, they they come back into it. David Wagner was under pressure there, but it was one defeat in the last five games. There are there are teams that are going to float up. We've got Middlesbrough Saturday. 
you know, Middlesbrough in the playoffs last year. They're, yeah. they're still a, yeah. they're still going to be a force. And there'll be teams that will come from from somewhere. Um, you look at, for example, you look in recent years. You know, the way Forest turned things around and came from nowhere. You look at someone like Stoke on Saturday. It's evident to see that Stoke have got quality in their squad, and it just depends who they're going to choose as their new manager. You know, if they bring in someone like Mowbray or someone like that, they could fire up the table. So it's difficult to see. I think I think that scramble for all three players, all I think Leeds and Southampton will get in the playoffs probably. Um, Ipswich might tail. That's a bit. This is a big call. Ipswich might tail off. It's hard to see it at the moment, but I think the the main rivals you got like Hull, Sunderland, Hull, Sunderland, and Norwich. I'd say are going to be Albion's three Do biggest you know what, rivals. Johnny, I, I, even Watford. Watford looks strong. For yeah. Me. Watford's They're just important. ticking along at the moment. Yeah, They're doing all right. And I'm not. I'm not going to write them in or out one way or the other because of that. Um, but I just they're winning that'd be, games. That'd be a playoff clash, wouldn't it? Albion Watford. <laughs> I, I think. I think. Um, I think the top four is is right, and I'd be surprised if those four aren't the top four in in whatever order. Now I see a world. I think Leicester are winning the title. Yeah, that point you make there with the top four. Relates to something you said before on the Billy Sharp thing. You know, stranger things have happened. It wouldn't surprise me if someone breaks into that top four. You know, yeah. given the you know the points total is not a yeah, yeah, it looks big on paper at the moment, but it's not massive given the context of how many games on this. But but, yeah, I, I, but I agree with you about sort of Ipswich. That that and it's easy to say maybe because they were the relegated sides, but you know, as it should be, Leicester, Southampton, Leeds have the, the best squads, don't they? That you know they they should be there. That doesn't mean that they. They will be there, but obviously they are at the moment. And Leicester have been consistent all the way through, haven't they? And they 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 look, you know, this Premier League squad, isn't it? Realistically, they so much quality. But Leeds and Southampton have been consistent from September, haven't they? They had a slow start, new methods, all of that, new players, but they've been flying since. And I I don't think that yes, they'll drop points here and there, but I don't think they'll have a bad enough run and go like winless in five or six to, to drop out of the top six I just I just don't whereas Ipswich they haven't yet but they're a little bit still more of an unknown aren't they you don't you don't quite know um how they might react to going winless in two or three um they're clearly unbelievably coached by a very good Kieran McKenna but you just you never know do you I mean a, a struggling prem side could come in from McKenna couldn't they it wouldn't be beyond the realms um so I do I, but but I could see a world where Southampton or Leeds, possibly more Leeds, Pip Ipswich, maybe I, I don't know. But I do see those four, and I I do tend to agree with Sunil. I I don't think it's impossible that Albion can get above fifth. I don't. However, with everything going on, you know the situation upstairs, the the having no attackers basically available, I think it's a a massive challenge and ask to to improve on fifth. I really do. Hence it being a scrap between fifth, sixth, and all of those clubs you mentioned, basically, Johnny, down to where are Borough at the moment, speaking about Saturday, down in 13th, which is unbelievable. Um, don't get me wrong, I think there's a couple of clubs above them, like do I see Blackburn challenging for the top six? Not really. Do I see Cardiff? Not really. Preston, they were flying, weren't they? But I, I don't see them really going for the top six. But everyone else you mentioned, Johnny, I think is, is right in it. And Corbyn always makes a point, and he made it last week as well. Look at the playoffs last season. What, Luton, Borough, whoever else was oh. there, Johnny, remind me. Cov. Um, yeah, yeah, all, all clubs that emerged 
second half of the season, weren't they really? They weren't this time last year, probably not in the top six, but came from the pack. Now, that doesn't bode very well for Albion, does it? Because it suggests if it repeats itself, then Albion will drop out of the top six. But I, I think we've seen enough for Albion. It gives me confidence they can stick it. I really do. We were having a conversation, weren't we, about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, about that run of games that Albion had. And if they can get out of it by Christmas, still where they are, that they'll stick it. And, and they've done that. So, for me, that's that's credit. You know, they're still fifth. They can stick it. Um but it wouldn't, like, like you said, it wouldn't surprise me to see two or three emerge from the pack, actually, to to push Hull, to push Sunderland. So let's see. I mean, it's you can throw a blanket over fifth to 13th, can't you, as we said? Yeah. Final question. All Albion fans, Borough is the first chance of a double this season. We've beaten Borough, Swansea, Ipswich, Cardiff, Hull, Cod, QPR, Rotherham, Wednesday, Press, and Preston with Norwich to play twice. 11 chances. How many teams do you think will take maximum points now? I'm going to push you for a, just a, a number answer, Coxie, rather than going into this, because we've got a little bit to well, a little bit to, to round off before this final yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. of the season. So, out of 11 chances in there, how many teams will Albion do the double over? I'll go uh, first. I'm going to say seven. Yeah, yeah, I'd expect more than half. So, I, I, I tend to agree, Johnny, maybe another between six and eight, maybe. But I mean, it's a bit, I haven't really looked into that and I know we don't have time to, so I could give a more accurate answer, but you'd imagine somewhere around there, wouldn't you? Yeah, good question. Baggies fans, thank you very much for all your questions. All you guys um, who've got in touch with us across the across the year, we really appreciate that. We're going to have a quick little four-match prediction from me and Coxie now. Um, we've got Borough on Saturday, for which Coxie is leaving me in the lurch with two days before Christmas, making a trip up to to the northeast. Um Drop that yeah. one in, didn't you? That's Coxie's Christmas present to me. A solo trip to Middlesbrough. Although I let him go to Sunderland on his own the other day, so I'll... Uh, Quite I'll, right, I'll Johnny. <laughs> Quite right. Revenge for Sunderland. We've <laughs> um, got Borough Saturday, Norwich uh, Boxing Day, Leeds on the 29th and Swansea away. Um, Coxie, I've totted up what I think Albion are going to get. Um, so we'll go game by game, give our predictions. Middlesbrough Saturday, I'm going to say a point for Albion. Yeah, I've done likewise, Johnny, and I'm interested to know if we're going to say the same. Yeah. But I had also gone a point at the Riverside. Yeah, point, tough place to go. Norwich at home, I'm going Albion win three points. Yeah. I'd Despite Norwich's form. I'd said the same, yeah. Inter- just interestingly, quickly, Norwich are the final team Albion are yet to play this season. Um, yeah. Borough, obviously, is the double. And you're on about halfway through the season. Saturday at Borough is the 23rd game of the season, so that is the actual halfway cool. point. Halfway point. So we got a point there. We've got three on uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Leeds, I back Albion to get... I, I'll never predict Albion to lose at home because I just don't think they will. I'm going to back for a point against Leeds. I've said draw against Leeds as yeah. well. I think, I think we're, we're on... We're great minds. We're on the right track here, yeah. We're, we're on We're on the same wavelength when it comes to Yorkshire puddings and Albion's Christmas, uh, <laughs> Christmas run. The final one, Swansea away... Swansea struggling. Uh, I'm not sure if they're still managerless as well, Swansea. They are. Yeah, I believe still they managed. are. Yeah. No wonder they're yeah, still managerless. The I know there's that many sackings at the moment. I'm going to go Swansea, New Year's Day, late Christmas present, three points. Yeah, I'd gone exactly the same, Johnny. Eight points out of a possible 12. Eight points from 12. Look at that. It, it, if, if it comes in the Which order, now means it's order. not going to happen. Yeah, well, Albion yeah. won't get eight points because we always get everything wrong. Well, that's true. I think, I think Johnny, to be fair, if it is eight points in any order, that's a, a good return from those games, I would say. If, if it's, I would say sevens, you know, what, what, what's that? Two wins, a draw and a defeat is, 
so yeah, acceptable as well. And below that, you might be yeah. a bit, yeah, before that, below that, you'd be sort of a bit disappointed. But seven or eight, I think, w- will happen. Let's let's be optimistic and go for eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for eight. I'm going to ask you as well, Coxie, 2023, been some memorable trips, memorable games, memorable performances for Albion. I want you to pick Oof. one out as your, as your most as your most memorable and why. Match or any match, yeah? Yeah, any match, Albion game this season, any and why. I'll start first. I'm going to go Preston away. Oh, Pre- do you know what, Johnny? Pres- Preston came to my head straight away, mate. <laughs> that's why I got in there early. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know if that's just this season. I mean, I'm trying to think back to, to last. and um, Yeah, it was tough the early part of 2023, wasn't it? And then there was a bit of a rally. But yeah, I mean, Preston was was excellent, wasn't it, this season? It was what 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 win was uh, Ipswich at home not so yeah. long ago. I don't want it to be recency bias, but for me Preston just because at the time Preston were flying no one really backed Albion to go into Preston and they absolutely blew them away certainly Um, away yeah 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 yeah. but I think I mean Albion are always well always Albion are largely consistent at the Hawthorns aren't they but even by their standards the Ipswich thing really impressed me I've got to say because it could have been more couldn't it they they were absolutely blitzed Um, so I'd go with those two but Preston being an an away day like that was was good fun wasn't it Mm. absolutely that could have been more than four, couldn't it? That that was class. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, no, it was good indeed. Coxie, what are your, your festive plans, festive periods? You're cooking or you're being cooked for? Or We're being cooked for. We're Yeah, we're over to my, my folks um, on Christmas Day. So looking forward to that, bit of family. Um, and then, yeah, that's, that's me travelling back to West Bromwich, isn't it? So um, happily. It's a home game Boxing Day, so a nice little. We struck gold this festive period. Nice little drink, games. Up, mate. Nice little late night, little stay over and crawl out of the pit for um, for Norwich on Boxing Day. That that yeah. sounds good to me. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, two home games. Well, I've got three home games really, if you to believe all these West Brom reporters, because Swansea's only down the road from me, so I've got yes a trio of home <laughs> games. Um, so it should How about be your good. plans, Johnny? Up should be on. good. Yeah, being cooked for happy parents this year, being cooked happy for, days. and then. Yeah, Boxing Day, my favourite day of the year because of the uh, of the football. Um, and yeah, hopefully an Albion, Albion three points. But we know. Don't miss uh, me too much at Middlesbrough, mate. Thanks for. I won't, mate. No, as I said, leaving me in the lurch. But yeah, I'll let you go to Sunderland on your own, didn't I? So um, yeah, one one in those stakes. But yeah, I'll be you, up you at have, Middlesbrough. You, have, you haven't thrown me too much under the bus for attending a Christmas party over the Riverside. But, no, um, no, I know. wasn't going to mention it to be honest. But you just launched yourself under the bus, so uh, that's, that's, so there that's you go. Right. You'll I... be getting in the festive period a bit early. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. We know well. At least we know you'll be having no Yorkshire puddings on that on that dinner at uh, the, right. the Cox household anyway. But Coxie, Merry Christmas! I'll see you on Boxing and Day, Baggies fans. I'll see hopefully a lot of you up at Middlesbrough on Saturday. But to all the listeners um, who've listened to the podcast this year, we want to thank you for your continued support throughout 2023. Um, we continue to you know try and grow the podcast. We bring you some good guests, and hopefully you enjoy our weekly podcast. And we'd all do it for your enjoyment and. Without you, you listeners, there wouldn't be a we wouldn't be a podcast. So thank you very much for all your support. It is very much appreciated. Have a great Merry Christmas. Christmas. Have a great New Year. Don't drink too much on Christmas Day. Um, enjoy the festive football. Um, and until 2024, for the final time on the Baggies broadcast for me and from Coxie. Boing boing. boing, boing.